0: Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and I'm this close to using the F word with the Timberwolves, frauds.
1: This is Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Timberwolves talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Basketball Party on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team
2: every day.
0: The Wolves blew another gigantic lead last night, and I am fired up today. It's Wolves talk every Wednesday on the Minnesota Basketball Party on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Thanks for watching us on the YouTube channel. Please subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota and catch us on the 24-7 YouTube live stream with all your favorite shows. Hear us on the Lockdown Wolves audio feed where Ben Beacon posts daily Wolves podcasts and lets us tag along there on his coattails. But let's meet the crew on today's show. Uh, Ron, kick us off.
3: Yeah, I'm Ron Johnson, uh, former Gopher NFL wide receiver. And uh, I want to talk about the fact that the Gophers are doing stuff that the Timberwolves should be doing.
4: Reggie Wilson, sports director at Care 11. And I'm not trying to go as far as Sam calling the Wolves the F word. But I think I, we do owe Sam a little bit of an apology because he might have nailed a take a couple of weeks ago about the Wolves.
2: I'm Jack Borman, editor-in-chief of I've uh, co-host of the, the Locked on Wolves postcast with my man Luke Inman. Um, and I'm going to talk about why we, we might just have to temper some of our, uh, some of our expectations come, come playoff time until further notice.
1: I'm Ben Beacon, host of the Daily Locked on Wolves podcast, and uh, I'm going to co-sign. Um, I guess what a couple of these guys said. Take kind of a middle of the road here, right? The sky's not falling, but you know maybe this isn't a 65 win team as we might have thought six weeks ago. Plus, we're going to talk trade deadline, and uh, you know that's that's tomorrow. I, I don't know that the Wolves do anything, but uh, you know who knows after this Bulls game.
0: Can't wait to get into it. Today's show, first of all, is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, uh, app, create an account, use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase at Game Time. So the Wolves lose in overtime last night 129, uh, 123, the final score. They led by 23 points in the second half and 12 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, went to OT. Wolves had a shot to win it at the end. Carl Anthony Towns, kind of like the Nets game, about a week ago, ends up taking a 28-footer, no good, and the Wolves lose in overtime in a game that was just an avalanche for Kobe White and the Chicago Bulls, and Vucevic was hitting shots, and I I don't know what the the shooting percentage was for the Bulls in the second half, but they couldn't miss, kind of like the Charlotte game a couple weeks ago. Like, all these games just resemble each other now. The Wolves, I think, have lost four... Double-digit leads in the fourth quarter in the past 10 games. They are no longer number one in the West. And, and I am ready to, to just accept, well, they're a four seed now. I mean, the Nuggets and Clippers and Thunder, they're all playing better basketball. It seems like the Wolves aren't going to hang on to this Western Conference lead. They've already lost it. Uh, this just could be a four seed team that, you know, has a good battle with the five seed in the first round and, and bows out. That's where I'm at right now with this team because they do it over and over and over and over again ron i'm panicking are you panicking
3: um <clears throat> i'm i'm not panicking but i'm just concerned uh w- when you go into a game i don't care what game it is and and i don't know if you guys have seen the video of them making fun of cj gardner johnson waving to the uh faithful He's talking about like it's time to go uh but there's a there's a guy that does some social media videos and he kind of did that and i feel like I don't know if the Timberwolves do that, but I do know when you have a 20 plus point lead, sometimes it just gets in your head and you're just like, oh man, we're going to cruise to victory where the other team's thinking one shot, two shot, three shot, four. Like, that's all you got to do. Just keep making shots. And eventually if they get tight, we got them. And that's what happened. Like the Timberwolves started doing dumb stuff again. Um, I, And I bring up the Gophers because I don't know. I watched the Gophers last night on Peacock, uh NBC, our partner. Mm-hmm. And uh they played Michigan state and Michigan state. It's not great. They're 14, I think, and eight at the time. Gophers came into this game 14 and seven. Gophers win uh, at the end. They, they battled back. They were down 12. Uh, nobody thought they could do it, and they battled back and won. Now, neither team looks great but the Gophers found ways to get the points they needed. And they did what they had to do against a giant. Like they started playing physical. They start, you know, bumping and elbowing guys. You start seeing. And that's what I wonder about the Timberwolves is like, where, where, when does that switch get flipped? Like, are they just waiting for the playoffs for them to have that killer instinct? Uh, Cause this is going to be the problem. If they are the one C playing the eight, there's going to be a lot of games like this, where they go into halftime up 22. And do we think they can sweep and win in four? Hopefully. But if they have one of these games, call it the first game. Like the Nuggets had that with the Lakers. LeBron got the first game off the Nuggets, and the Nuggets never looked back. They're like, man, stop playing. Get this mosquito off of us. I don't know if the Timberwolves have that in them. And that's why, you know, when we talked about this yesterday, Sam, uh, that I think the Nuggets are one of the tougher teams in the West that are like down the stretch, they are going to be tough to handle. Um, and so yeah, that's that's kind of where I go with it. I'm I'm not concerned, or sorry, I'm not like thinking they're frauds, but I'm Mm -hmm. concerned a little bit about these leads they're losing.
4: Yeah. Reg. So Bomani Jones has a term that he coined that is affectionately known as lemon booty, and that is exactly what is going on with the wolves. And Sam, look, we were ragging on you. We were ragging on you a couple weeks ago because you were like, "Look, this team—they just don't know how to close games down. They're, these fourth-quarter blown leads are are concerning." And we were all like, "Sam, calm down, calm, just calm down, bro. You, you're doing too much. Maybe you aren't doing too much. Maybe, maybe there's something to that because for some reason." The lemon booty is very strong in that fourth quarter, uh, with the wolves. I mean, the, the lemon booty was strong in the second half, uh, outscored by 28 points in that second half and overtime, and it just seemed to go like downhill from there. And you know, it's interesting because, like, there are a couple things the Kyle Anderson Tech, when he wasn't even in the club. He wasn't even in the club. He was outside of the club and he got a tech that loom large. And then if cat ends up making the three that he missed near the end of the buzzer, like, yeah, we're still talking about how we're concerned because they blew the lead in the fourth quarter. But all of a sudden a win looks a whole lot better than how ugly that that loss ended up in Chicago last night. And so There are very, very concerning things happening with the Wolves. The Kyle Anderson tech in the fourth was not necessarily the only thing that had fans just done with. I saw some people saying that they will drive slow-mo to the airport after his play last night. And, you know, I know we're going to talk about the, the trade deadline and what maybe they should or even would do. But something is just not right with this team right now. And you, I'm not in the position where you are, Sam, where you're ready to panic or where you already are panicking. Oh, I am.
0: I am definitely.
4: Look, I ain't there yet. But what I will say is there is some smoke in the air. And I'm hoping that it doesn't lead to fire, like you said, where they just go into the, the playoffs. And then their first round exit again, like they have been the last couple years. So they got they got some things to fix, and they have to do some things differently if they want a different result. Because what they're doing right now is the very definition of insanity.
0: The their options just shrivel up in the second half of games. It's like it ant ant drive into traffic, throw it away, you know, cat contested three. They they stop. Sharing the ball. That's probably a lot of teams. They go to their stars in the second half. I get it. That's how it works. But there's just no one, like it, even Conley, like Conley is kind of supposed to be the one to pull them out of these things. But he's also very reliant on like spot up threes, which might come and go. He's not really a guy that can get to the rim. I would like to see Nas more involved sometimes in these moments when they can't get a shot, but they already have two big men on the floor. So he's not playing like they, they need someone to pull them out. And they just don't have it right now, uh, Jack. Your cold open suggests to me that you might be coming around a little bit on on my level of concern. Where are you at? Uh,
2: I, I am. I am not. I, I, I've not broken the glass case that the panic button is in. Uh, I have not opened it. I've not thought about opening it. All I'm saying is that I I, I felt pretty strongly that the Timberwolves were going to win a first round playoff series, and now I'm a little bit more uncertain um you know this is a shout out to my guy alan horton uh the radio voice of, of the timberwolves this is the fourth game fourth time in the last 10 games the timberwolves have lost a uh, game when leading by at least 10 in the fourth quarter it is the fifth loss in the last 10 if you extend that to eight points um and all of them have been against pretty meh teams um you know yep. oklahoma city obviously was the big one but then Charlotte, and antonio orlando who they crushed earlier in the season in chicago who has been you know Pretty mediocre all season long. Um, So that's certainly concerning. Uh, But, you know, everybody has been wanting to blame Chris Finch, you know, a lot in the last two, three weeks. And and I just don't really think this one is on Chris Finch. I think the Timberwolves ball movement has actually improved quite a bit in the fourth quarter, uh, as well as their player movement. They ran a lot more, uh, you know, structured actions and sets last night. But Anthony Edwards just made a lot of really, uh, you know, poor reads. I thought that. You know, he initiated too many of the actions where I thought that Mike Conley initiating a little bit more um, and having Ant be more of a play finisher rather than a play starter and a play finisher probably would have been a little bit more helpful. Um, And, and, you know, he did a great job of drawing the defense in and and creating, you know, open pass opportunities to shooters on the wing and just missed shooters, Um, made some passes that got deflected, um, just missed reads, uh, whether it be shooters uh, on the wing or bigs rolling into the paint. I mean, he only had eight points in the final 20 minutes uh, of of game time uh, after he scored 30 in the first 30 minutes or so. Um, And and for a guy like Anthony Edwards, obviously you have to remember that he's only 22 years old, right? And that, you know, a lot of this stuff is still fairly new to him in terms of being the guy that everybody's looking at in the fourth quarter and expecting him to, to make stuff happen. Um, but until they're able, until he's able to kind of get back up to speed a little bit with, uh, you know, with some of the the intricacies of, of drawing defenses in and constant or consistently making them pay for, uh, bringing two to the ball or playing in the gaps or those sorts of things. Um, I just don't think that you can trust that they'll win a playoff series, especially when you consider, um, you know, what's been in the Timberwolves mental makeup, uh, in the last uh two seasons, right? I mean, they absolutely should have won that playoff series against Memphis two seasons ago and just completely uh froze when the lights got bright and they got up big and and we've seen that happen consistently over the last two seasons. And you know, I, I think it was was I forget if it was uh might have been you Sam who said that you know they're just a four seed now. But um you know if they do end up playing the four seed they could very well play Sacramento, Phoenix or Dallas uh in the playoffs. Sacramento had the Last year's clutch player of the year and De'Aaron Fox, who was incredible all year long in the clutch and was incredible in the playoffs. Phoenix, who has Kevin Durant, Tevin <laughs> Booker, and Bradley Beale, or <laughs> Dallas, who has two of the you know most clutch players in the history of basketball, and Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. So, you know, it's you know, I think a lot of these things can be somewhat excusable if they can get back to that two-line or one line and they could play a team that, you know, doesn't have those types of players on their team. But I think when you start to think further ahead. Um, you know, down potentially the playoffs, it's tough. And when you look at the trade deadline, right, who are the guys that we'll talk about? Backup point guards, shooters, scores off the bench. Are those guys going to be playing in the last eight minutes of the game? No, they won't. It's going to be the same five guys who have been on the floor and who have been struggling to figure it out. Um, And while I get, yes, that they they didn't blow a lead uh, of 10 plus in the fourth quarter in the first, uh, you know, 41 games of the season, Uh, it, it certainly is concerning that it's becoming a trend, even though I guess you could look at some positives, a better ball movement, better play movement, uh, you know, more structured offense, but in the macro it's, it's tough. It's tough right now.
0: Yeah. This team needs the all-star break like yesterday. Uh, Ben,
1: Ben, what do you, what do you got? Yeah. In terms of this game specifically, uh, I mean, yeah, the, the bulls just in the first half, it was, it was actually like Weirdly, one of the best first halves the Wolves have played all season. It really was. I mean, Ant and Cat played off each other perfectly. Um, Ant, you know, got hot late first quarter and and just kind of was rolling. But then also was was actually had made a note, like, his passing in the first early in the game was actually really good. Like, he was intentionally drawing the defense, sucking the defense down closer to the paint, and then kicking it out to Cat for the the three at the top of the circle where he loves to shoot the ball. Like, it was actually on point early in the game. But then in the second half, the Bulls just said, all right, well, we're just going to load up on Ant because we don't think he'll make the right decision. And they were right. And and like Jack said, the Timberwolves actually did run a lot more set plays, which is something we've talked about a lot on this show. And I've talked about in Lockdown Wolves, like in, in, in crunch time, run actual actions where there's multiple options. There's movement. There's guys that are going to pop open for a shot if you make the right read. But you still have to make the right read. And Ant just did not do that. It's almost as though the Bulls knew when he saw more white jerseys, he was going to shoot. More difficult shots. He was going to drive directly into them, and in like yeah, the the close to this game, and and then it snowballed. Like nobody else played well either in terms of the role players. Like Ant took on so much of that burden that when he did make the right pass, which was rare, or when there was an offensive rebound and a kick out like Conley missed at least one, if not two, open threes in the fourth quarter. uh Jade McDaniel's missed a wide open corner three. Cat did hit the game tying three pointer, which I you know we should point out like that was a huge shot too, but then he missed a potential game winner like. Nobody else, Rudy didn't play particularly well in general in this game. Um, no one else came to the party either. And it, it started with Ant just kind of, you know, running into a brick wall over and over and and not being able to break through. Um, it, uh, you know, in the more, the macro, the, the bigger picture, You know, the flip side of Jack's point that they're blowing these late leads against mediocre teams. The flip side is that they've played really well against good competition, which I know we spent all last year saying. Um, But I mean, like, think of the close games that they've lost. Like, they haven't really been blown out by a good team other than the one Kings game. I guess one Sixers game. Suns. Um, Yeah, the the Suns on a back-to-back early in the year. But for the most part, like you think of both Boston games, uh, you know, two or three of the OKC games. Uh, the, the one where cat hit the game winner against the Pelicans, the two games they won in golden state. I know golden state is what they are now, but at the time, like, I, I mean, like the Clippers game, like they've beaten good teams and they have won some of these close late situations. So part of this, um, if you just want to look at the math of it, like, Eventually, they were going to lose some close games. It just sucks that it's happening against teams that they should be beating. Now, it doesn't both can be true, right? It doesn't mean that the fourth quarter collapses aren't concerning and things don't need to be fixed. Um, You know, generally, it's ball movement. In this case, it was also ball movement, but more specifically with Ant. Um, I think all of the above can be true, and it doesn't necessarily mean like, yeah, this team may end up as a two, three or four seed, uh, but they're still a good team. They probably were never going to be a 60 to 65 win team like they were playing. They're also not a 500 team. Right, they're they're somewhere in the middle, which was probably always the most likely scenario. I know that's not the the most exciting hot takey take, but um, that's that's kind of where we've ended up. I think at, at least two thirds of the way through the year.
0: Yeah, it, and it's a bummer too that Finch kind of shot his shot. He had the big come to Jesus film session with the team, and it seemed to work against Houston. And then one game later, they're right back where they started. Um, so, like, how how many different cards can you play? To get this team right, it's not like there's a big injury they're waiting to resolve. Everybody's healthy. This is the best alleged version of the team. Um, do they add to it though at the trade deadline, which is Thursday at 2 p.m.? We'll get into that in just a moment on the Minnesota Basketball Party. Today's show brought to you by eBay Motors Passion, drive and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to the utmost performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with the eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash, with all the prices you need, the parts you need, prices you want. It's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that W. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. We are also presented by Prize Picks. This is a fun time of year to join the fun at Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. You pick more or less than two to six stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. You can do cross sport. You got a big football game coming up on Sunday. You can cross sport that with basketball, with hockey, so many uh, options at prize picks. And you've also got the reboot policy. So if a player gets hurt in the first half, doesn't play the second half, that uh, entry is rebooted. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make PrizePix the number one daily fantasy sports app. And PrizePix now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this basketball season. Go to prizepix.com slash NBA. Use code NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. One more time, prizepix.com slash NBA. Use code NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, before the show is over, we'll talk about Giannis, Wolves, and Bucks. we got another big week for the Wolves as they stay on the road for the next three games. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about the trade deadline, February 8th. That is tomorrow as we record this, 2 p.m., and the Wolves have a decision to make. Now, they've been linked. To Tyus Jones, that's our guy. That's Ron's guy. Ron's been talking about Tyus for a while. Apparently, the Wizards want a first-round pick. Wolves are saying no. Please take our second round picks instead, Washington. Um, that would obviously be the coup. That would be the coup de gras. That would be the big acquisition. That would not only excite the fan base considerably, but I think would be the perfect fit for that backup ball handler. But Reggie trade deadline a little over twenty four hours from now. What are the Wolves doing?
4: Crystal it's this so funny. It's just so funny because. Tyrus was a Minnesota Timberwolf. Like, that was – he was already here. And it's so crazy, like, hearing all the excitement about possibly having him come back home. And it's like, well, he was here before already. <laughs> and, I, you know, like, what changed? Did, did people not really want – because I wasn't here when he was here. So did people not really want him to go in the first place or – did people start seeing them cook in Memphis, especially in the series against the Wolves a couple of seasons ago, as Jack talked about that they should have won? Um, was it like, oh, we like this this version of Tyus? Yeah, bring them back. Um, I just think that the asking price is too high. I think Washington is funny, man, because you know they they trade Brad Beal. They, they got a, a team, you know, with some unserious players like Coos and, and Pool Party, and then they're like, yeah, 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 but we're legitimate, though, so, you know, we're not going to give a guy away for nothing, so we want a first-round pick, and it's just like, well, I don't know that that asking price is really, you know, but I think in terms of what they should probably do, they I think they need and it's, this is crazy to say, especially after the time that he has been here. But just from what we've seen this season, I think they need some type of uh, an upgrade at their like sixth man position, where Slow Mo um, occupies. I mean, I guess maybe Nas is the sixth man, but y- you know what I mean. I think they need they need another guy who comes in, gives you instant defense, some ball handling. And, and just some better shot making than Slow Mo does, because I feel like the, the things that you really enjoyed him for um, during his time on the team, I feel like it's just pretty much fizzled now. And fans are just up to their limit with this guy. So and you're not really getting much from from Shake. And, you know, you brought him in to help. I think you're you're doing well with Nah. He's doing pretty much what you expected him to do, but they need a little bit more help, um, alongside of him as well. When you talk about the depth of this team, I think they just need to improve the depth. Where they go, I I, I just don't know because I feel like the options are are kind of limited because of you know draft capital and and just the, the people that you have on the team right now, like as far as value goes for them. So they're in an interesting spot. I do think that they need to make some type of a move. I just don't know how it gets done.
2: Jack. Yeah, the Wolves are in an interesting spot just because they've, they've got about $2.3 million in, in luxury tax space. But something that, that people aren't talking about really is that Mike Conley has an unlikely incentive of $1.5 million that will uh, that he will earn if he plays in at least 60% of the team's playoff games. And the Timberwolves certainly have to, uh, you know, you know, kind of go on at this trade deadline, you know, acting as if he's going to get that. So really they only have, uh, you know, if you, if you want to look at it that way, you know, they really only got about $835,000, uh, below the tax line. So, Uh, If they also want to sign a buyout guy, they're going to need to have about $760,000 in space beneath the luxury tax. My point being is that if you want the Timberwolves to be able to sign a buyout guy, you you can only take back about $76,000 more in in salary than the Timberwolves currently have, which which makes this trade deadline uh, a little bit, Uh, Tough, And it's also why you're starting to hear Wendell Moore Jr.'s name floated. I saw that uh, Mike Scotto at Hoopsite said that the three guys the Wolves were were talking about in in trade talks were Shake Milton, Troy Brown Jr., and Wendell Moore Jr. And the reason for that is because, let's say, you know, I I think the Timberwolves are going to go the backup point guard route at the deadline. I think they'll probably try to go after Monte Morris just because he's got familiarity with, uh, with Tim Connelly and he's a pretty known commodity at this point. Um, but let's say you do try to trade for you know Monty Morris, who's got nine point eight million dollars. If you aggregate Shake Milton and Troy Brown Jr., that's nine million dollars. So if you want that route just as it is with those three players involved, you wouldn't then be able to go turn around and sign a about guy if you wanted to stay under um, the luxury tax. Assuming the Wolves made the playoffs and kindly played in you know at least sixty percent of those games, so then you'd have to find a third party to take Wendell Moore Jr. So I think doing something where you could send uh, Shake, Shake Milton and Troy Brown Jr. to the Trailblazers, um, have Matisse Theibel as the returning option, go to the Pistons as a guy in the wing that, that could help fortify their defense a little bit and be a salary that they could move long-term, and then sending Wendell Moore Jr. to the Wizards for a guy like Anthony Gill, uh, who makes $500,000 less uh, than than Wendell Moore Jr. does so that he would still you know, at least open up the uh, the opportunity for, um, you know, the Timberwolves to at least then, you know, play around with a buyout guy um, or at least w- allow them, you know, allow them to wait um, at least a week or two weeks or something like that to, to free up a little bit more luxury tax space. Um, or you could, you could try to trade, you know, Wendell Moore Jr. and take back no player um, and, and just have the, the wizard send you cash or something like that. And then, um, and then you the the picks thing would be interesting then right because you know Washington would probably want to pick but some rules only have you know three or four second round picks that they're able to play with so um, it'll it'll be tricky to figure out but I think that they're gonna they're gonna try to trade for for Monte Morris um, as as a backup point guard that can kind of help take some of the wear and tear off of off of Mike Conley down the stretch of the season.
0: Conveniently, Kyle Anderson's salary, $9 million, just saying.
2: Well, and that's the other thing, too, is that uh, Johnny K said that he does not anticipate that, that Kyle Anderson will be moved. But after last night, I mean... Uh, that's knows?
0: exactly that's exactly what a smart leak would say. Keep that value high.
1: Ben? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's so crazy, the week of the trade deadline and also just the, um, I, I guess, the league in general. Like, before yesterday, I think I even, on Tuesday's podcast, I said... Unlocked that wolves. I said that I didn't think the wolves would make a move. I know everybody seemed to think they would. I was, I don't think I put a percentage on it, but I was probably 70 30, 60 40. They weren't gonna make a move. Uh just for all the reasons we've already cited about how challenging it would be. And I, I just didn't think there was any way they'd trade Kyle Anderson. Uh, because we know he's Chris Mitch's security blanket, and yes, he's had a bad year. I mean, you could argue last year was the best year of his career and this year's the worst. I mean, that's a legitimate argument you could you could have. Um now I'm probably actually flipped as crazy as that is over 82 games to overreact from one, but uh, I still don't think they'll trade Kyle Anderson. I want to be clear about that, but I think they will try and do something. I think they will. Um, I, this is maybe a, a weird analogy, but shuffle the deck chairs. That is the the bench Titanic for the wolves. Um, like to Jack's point, I think last segment, I mean whoever you're acquiring isn't playing at the end of a close game anyway. So now there's also been games that they've lost because the bench has struggled and there isn't enough scoring, et cetera. And then there's also the layer. And this is why I think they'll ultimately do something. You want somebody that you can say, okay, let's give Mike Conley a night off and, you know, not force it to be Nikki Alexander Walker, Kyle Anderson, and 12 minutes of Jordan McLaughlin running the offense instead have somebody who's a pro starting point guard, like a Monte Morris, uh, who's also my favorite target for a lot of reasons, but I think he's probably the best of, of all the different, like Delon Wright's been thrown out there um, at bones. Highland would be a poor option. I, I think Monte Morris is the best choice. And I think he's the most likely guy that they acquire. Um, Jack already walked through like how that would work logistically. I think, um, I think it's likely they do something mostly just because, like they've got a ton of back-to-backs upcoming. I think they've played the least or the second least back-to-backs in the league so far. Now the schedule itself in terms of competition gets a little bit easier, but that lately hasn't mattered. Um, but they're going to need to grab some minutes, you know, re, you know, play guys a little bit less. Now Nikhil Alexander Walker's barely played, not bear, not actually, but he played like what? 16, 18 minutes last night. Um, his minutes have come way down. He's obviously not a pure point guard, but they went into the season seeming to think that Nikhil Alexander Walker, shake Milton, then and Kyle Anderson could play backup point guard and, and, are they ready to pull the plug? I think probably and, and realize that, like, hey, we need another adult in terms of a point guard that can run the offense. I think it's a minor move. I don't think slow-mo gets traded. Um, I, you know, I think that's probably the most likely scenario is they find one of these backup guys. I don't think it's Tyus. I don't think slow Mo's out. I think it's uh, Amante Morris or somebody like that um, as, a, as a backup guard. Ron, I'm still holding out hope for Tyus.
3: Yeah. And, and another name that was thrown out there other than Tyus, could be Trey Jones. Uh, if you think about the Spurs and another point guard option, I mean, if it's not Tyus, let's take his little brother. Uh, he's younger. Um, he's not as like, like Tyus was a a pure, like distributor killer. Trey is more of an athlete can bounce. And so that's another option that could give you some minutes off the bench could be a, a starting point guard. I mean, he has been a starting point guard, so he could be the starter if, you know like you said these back-to-backs and then again this could be the future of mike conley like when it's time for him to walk away maybe it is the trey jones show here in minnesota he's from apple valley as well we forget about that um i like the monte morris like the pistons suck it it sounds like they were trying to get rid of either morris or Burks, so they're gonna move one sounds like they want to keep alec burke a little bit more than they do monte morris so that could be an option as well um but but again, I I like the you know Kyle Lowry with the Hornets. I know I was on him before. I thought like oh they could have got him, but the asking price was too high. Now when I'm looking at this, like Kyle Lowry just looks tired. So I'm not too sure like that's the answer either because you're just bringing another old tired guard in here. Whereas a uh, Trey Jones, uh, I know the name Dennis Smith Jr. was floated out there as well with the Nets. Uh, but I do like the Trey Jones one. Like, I really like that one just from mm-hmm. the youth movement, the excitement of, of a homegrown kid coming back to play. Um, and I know there's some after the trade deadline guys they probably can get to that could have buyouts, so on and so forth. But that those numbers and all that stuff and that analytics, that's way, like, out there. And, again, like I think you said, any buyout guy is probably not a guy that's going to be starting and getting key minutes. It's going to be more of these, hey, they need a spark or they need somebody to come in and a pure scorer. Um, and right now, like it, it is, is lacking. Like a lot of guys aren't joining the party late. Pure scorer sounds to me
0: like Alec Burks. I'd be a big fan. I don't think, I mean, the defensive numbers are bad, but also the Pistons are really bad. So take Horrible. that into account too. Um, Burks is, he's the Malik Beasley. Like he could come in and light it up from long range and do some like boneheaded things occasionally, but also he might score 27. Like that's the kind of player that he would be the instant offense shooter that they lack. And what do we keep saying? The Timberwolves offense is what's holding them back. Well, that's because they don't shoot that many threes relative to the rest of the NBA, get an instant shooter like that. And maybe that would change a little bit. I'd be a fan. Again, he makes like $10 million. So you would have to compile, you know, nine, $10 million or trade slow-mo. So um, there is a little bit of a, a cost there, but um I'd be a fan of Alec Burks. Coming up, we are going to discuss the Wolves Bucks game as well following the trade deadline and uh maybe get into that Doc Rivers coaching move the Bucks made coming up on the Minnesota Basketball Party. And today our episode's brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is your ticket to the best music, the best theater, the best sports in town. GameTime is an easy-to-use app that I absolutely love. I went to the Wolves Mavericks last week to not see Luka. Got a great deal getting in the door. Uh, views from my seat, best price guarantee. And uh, had a very nice view inside Target Center. Uh, they've got deals on tickets right up to the start of the event or even an hour after it starts. So it's your best place for last-minute tickets, exclusive flash deals, and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And with zone deals, you pick the section, and GameTime picks the seats for big-time savings. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDON for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute ticket's lowest price guaranteed. Uh it'd be more compelling if the Wolves had not blown two of the last three games, but still compelling. The Wolves go and play the Bucks on the road Thursday night. Giannis, for the first time this year, and then they get him at home, I think, about 15 days later after the All-Star break. But we'll start with Ben Beacon. Ben, what uh, what do you expect from Wolves- Bucks? And maybe along with that, just kind of weigh in on, on that, that curious Milwaukee coaching move that you don't see a lot. A team that had just hired a coach. They're like 30 and 13 or whatever at the time of the of the uh of the move. And they bring in Doc Rivers to take over that team. Kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I think the Doc thing's pretty interesting. Um, mostly because there was the whole offseason back and forth on the players, you know, well, players specifically Giannis being more interested in hiring somebody like an Adrian Griffin and the owners, you know, everybody thought Nick nurse was going to go there. And then in season, obviously things it's funny because the bucks, like, it's not like they've been bad. They just haven't been what people wanted them to be. And there was a lot more behind the scenes than, than certainly I know about, but um, it really is more just, you know, Giannis is Giannis. So if Giannis wants, whatever one Giannis wants is what Giannis is going to get. And, and the wolves don't exactly have a Giannis at this point, maybe ant eventually, but until he wins a title, wins an MVP, um, Giannis has done all of that and he's agreed to stay in Milwaukee multiple times. And so he, you know, clearly, I mean, he handpicked the coach that got fired, right? And so then I think he, you know, he goes back to ownership or whatever and says, Look, hey, um yeah, you guys were right, let's make this change. Um, I, you know, I don't think until the Wolves make a serious run at a championship and or have an actual MVP caliber player, yes, Ant's a superstar, yes, Katz a star, but those guys aren't to that level, not even close. Um, I don't know that that's something that we'll have to deal with as much in Minnesota, although the market size thing and, and you know, that piece of it, if the Wolves, you know, say they do win it, like the crazy thing is like they won a title recently and that coach got fired. So like there's so yeah. many other layers to this and that's just that's just the NBA, I guess, in terms of the Milwaukee matchup specifically. Um, I'm curious to see how they defend Giannis, I mean, they could try playing some zone, um, although the Bucks are a good three point shooting team, and so I don't know that that's necessarily they the Wolves have overall played more zone recently. Um, and, uh, so I, I could see that being mixed in somewhat, ironically, given the last conversation, the last two segments, um, Kyle Anderson, assuming he's still on the roster could be an option in terms of somebody that's bigger and, um, can hopefully use a combination of length and, uh, and savvy to stay in front of use up some fouls on Giannis. Um, obviously Giannis is going to get to the line. That's just kind of what he does. Um, so it's a fascinating matchup overall, you know, I think the wolves actually match up okay with the bucks the bucks don't force hardly any turnovers i think they're last in the nba in in forcing turnovers defensively the wolves as we know turn it over more than anybody so that works in the wolves favor like if you turn it over against the bucks you're just going to turn it over all the time um so they that works in the wolves favor um they don't get a ton of offensive rebounds that occasionally is an issue for the wolves especially if you're playing zone is allowing second chance opportunities Um, so given those things, you know, and coming off this loss to the bulls, I actually don't feel all that bad about the bucks game. The one thing that would make me nervous, um, is Milwaukee's, I think one and four, one and five under doc rivers, they lost again last night. So they're going to be motivated to, you know, break out of this, to, to prove that, you know, their new coach is the right coach and whatever comes with that. Like, and they're obviously still a good team. You're on the road. So, um, you know, this is almost kind of a toss up in my mind. There's a lot of factors on both sides of it. And of course the trade deadline, whatever happens Thursday afternoon for either team, um, could impact, you know, those those uh, the mindset going into the game mm-hmm. for both of them. So I think it's a really interesting matchup. Um, I don't, I didn't look and see what the Fanduel line was on this one, but I'd imagine the Bucks are favored by a couple points would be my guess. Uh, but it'll be, uh, it'll be an interesting one. I can try
0: to get that for you right now, and I'm not sure it's actually posted because that is tomorrow's game. So uh, I don't know yet, yeah. and there may right. not be a line. Uh, Ron, what do you think?
3: Well, I mean, the one thing about Doc Rivers and what he's trying to do with this team is, you know, defensively, there was question marks there of like the effort of some of these stars and these older guys. Doc Rivers' scheme, quote-unquote, is he likes to create those up-top one-on-one matchups. He wants to discourage the pick and drive. He wants to discourage some of that with how he kind of puts guys in position. Well, then in turn, when you run down the floor – you wasted a lot of energy trying to cut off the middle of the court. So one, let's just hope Giannis is just not used to this system. He's used to like a lot of man-to-man defense. All hell breaks loose. Let's score one forty to one thirty-six, and we're happy. That's not what Doc Rivers wants, and I think that's why the Bucks are struggling because they're trying to to figure out what their deal is. So in stopping Giannis, honestly, I say you put some agitators on him too. Like when you get when he gets frustrated and he gets like he's he's not calling Anthony Towns. But he does go through those phases of like just forcing it and trying to do stuff he's not good at, like calling out his his uh, the things he can't do well, which is shoot the three. So I would I would do a combo. I would I would have Nas Reed on him, Jaden McDaniels, and I would even let Cat get to him a little bit, just because when you know he's in the post, like you, you know he's going to go down to the post and try to play bully ball. That's what he does. But if you can keep him up top. He's not as comfortable up there. I mean, he's been working on it, shooting the jumper and so on and so forth. But I would get some agitators on him. I would, I would let Jaden McDaniels and Nas Reed just agitate the crap out of him so that he he starts to force it a little bit more. Because what you notice now is when he's really frustrated, he just lets go of the ball and lets Dame take over. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why he was so excited to have a Dame. Uh, because nothing against the previous guard. Like, he was more of a defensive guard uh in drew holiday you know drew holiday wasn't going to take over a game and and shoot a step back logo three that's where dame comes in and i think that's the thing if you can agitate giannis enough he'll kind of just defer to dame for a little bit of the game and see what happens and and i think that's going to be the way to do it but you got to agitate him you gotta you gotta like i've been watching old clips of the pistons bull stuff i'm not saying elbow people in the head but you got to agitate them a little bit reg
4: So the Doc Rivers thing is always so funny to me because, like, I've never seen a dude just ride one championship to so much in my life. Like, they gave him $40 million. And, like, it seemed like he had finally, like, fizzled out and everybody was just like, all right, all right, okay, enough, enough already, like, enough. Didn't work with the Clippers, didn't work in Philly enough that's it goes to espn they they rebuild their whole broadcast team with him involved and then the bucks are like oh you know what we need an experienced coach for this experienced team let's go hire doc rivers and let's just give him a bag you know how about we're gonna pay three different coaches right now how about that let's do that that sounds smart right and it it hasn't been a great start, but you know Doc is going to coach the All Star game. That's just such a weird, that's such a weird deal with the whole thing. Like, what is going on? He said he's going to give Adrian Griffin his All Star bonus, and all, like what what is going on? I I do think that they gave up on Adrian Griffin like way too soon, and I think maybe the logic was just like, hey, let's cut our losses before things get too far down the road and we are too far gone, but. You know, it it it's similar, not the same, but kind of reminds me of like the whole like David Blatt thing. It was just like, Yeah, they they hired this coach, this team was gonna be something, and then LeBron's like, Yeah, I'm coming home. And you're like, Oh shoot, like the coach can't grow with the team now. Like they need somebody who's going to be able to understand LeBron and help him and help them win now because the team is a little bit different than when we hired David Blatt. And I think the same thing, like I feel like Adrian Griffin didn't get a full shot, like didn't get a real chance to put his stamp on it, to make his mistakes, to grow because this team is is win now. And so you hire Doc who hasn't won really anything meaningful since his days in uh, in Boston with the one ring that he won, the one ring. And I think it's just it's it's interesting because Doc is known for, you know, the the Timberwolves. You think the Timberwolves are something, the collapses that Doc Rivers has been behind has been epic. Mm -hmm. I mean, epic stuff. And so, you know, you you look back at at his tenure in the league as a head coach, and you're just like, all right, I mean, if if you like it, I love it. You know, that being said, I think because The the Bucks are still kind of figuring it out under Doc, and he's still trying to figure out even the the assistants that are there, like which ones will stay and which ones will go, and if if he's going to replenish some of those guys because those are you know some of them are Adrian's Griffin Adrian Griffin's guys still. I think with that being the case, I think this presents a good opportunity for the Wolves to kind of jump on them and and battle and and get a win after an ugly loss in Chicago'd
0: be a good way to reel us back in if they could beat the bucks that's for sure Jack what do you think
2: yeah I, I think the the Giannis matchup specifically will be pretty interesting um you know I think it'll be interesting to see which way the the bucks go in the starting lineup because Chris Middleton got hurt last night and left the arena in a blocking boot and on crutches uh, so I think it's safe to assume that he will not play uh tomorrow in Milwaukee um and, and so I think you could probably put Mike Conley on on uh Malik Beasley as kind of that chase a shooter around which he's done uh Ant could probably guard whoever starts for Middleton you'd put Jaden on Dame obviously and then I think they'll probably put Carl Anthony Towns and Brooke Lopez is just kind of a matching stretch bigs and then have Rudy play off of Giannis and just let Giannis take whatever shot he wants to uh honestly I mean when you look at who guarded uh, <laughs> who guarded Giannis last year? Uh, Nas Reed actually spent the most amount of time guarding Giannis in terms of like total summed possessions that he spent guarding Giannis. Uh, Kyle Anderson was number two, and Jaden McDaniels was number three. Uh, Rudy Gobert spent overwhelmingly the most time in the one game that Gobert did play, and he had the best success holding uh, holding Giannis to three of eight shooting uh, in that stretch. Carl held Giannis to, to two of six shooting. Uh, which is also, also pretty good. So I think no matter which way they go on Giannis uh, they'll, they'll have a lot of options. I think it was Reg said, or, or Ron just said, throw a bunch of different guys at him. I totally agree with that. Um, I mean, the biggest thing is, is keeping Giannis off the free throw line. I mean, Giannis, Giannis shot 41 free throws in the two games against the Timberwolves last season, um, 21 and 20 in the two games. So you have to keep him off the line, but, but man, I mean, this, this Bucks team has been, has been pretty bad. Uh, under, under Doc Rivers, I think, which is trying to, uh, you know, get used to playing in a in a little bit of a new system here on the fly. All those games have been on the road, uh, which obviously has been tough to have a five game road trip to kind of start your tenure as the head coach of a team when you're trying to you know tear down some things that, that didn't really work uh, as well as you'd hoped under Adrian Griffin. So um, it, it certainly is a game that you know looks pretty daunting on the schedule. I think when people think about the Bucks, but Really is a game that I think the Timberwolves should win, um, you know, especially if the Bucks try to trade Bobby Portis, which is something they're thinking about doing, and he's an important piece for them. So they they certainly maybe out maybe without him um, tomorrow. So it'd be interesting to see what happens.
0: Yeah, you might have said this too, Jack. Poor listening on my part. But Lillard didn't play last night either, so no potentially no Middleton or Lillard. Um, that could be hey, a lot of Malik be- Beasley. But- I yeah, it. that
2: that seemed maybe like a one game thing for Dame, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I hope Dame plays just cuz he's he's fun to watch, so. No, that
0: would be fun. That would be fun. And he hasn't quite brought them the success they expected, but um, you know, the like see with with the with a team like the Bucks and and Giannis, I tend to think they'll like they'll kind of figure it out, I guess, by like went by the time it matters because they have that cred and they have Giannis and the wolves just don't have that cred yet. And I just don't have the belief uh, that I do with a more uh, seasoned team. But in our closing minutes, we always do this. We predict the week wolves are on the road for three games, bucks, Clippers, Blazers, Ron Johnson, predict the week.
3: It's three games, right? I, 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 in my mind right now, again, I'm not, I don't want to be like just, Recent bias, but I'm going to be recent bias. I think one and two. I, I do. I just, I just don't know if they're going to get three wins out of this week. I think one and two. Reggie,
4: I think three and zero. I think three and zero. I, I think that they could get this, uh, this Bucks team, and then I. I... Maybe the Trailblazers like surprise me, I don't know, but I think in a back-to-back, well it's not really a back-to-back, it's just kind of like two straight, but um I think they can get them. That's not a, a great basketball team even though they are playing some better basketball of late. So, I think there'll be two dogfights, but yeah, I think I think they can uh they can get them. So,
0: 3 and Well, no, but you, you did skip over the Clippers
4: though. Clippers oh, on Monday because they do have that weird back-to-back with the blazers. Yeah. Clippers okay. are lodged
0: in there on Monday. So that, okay, that so, changed your number.
4: Okay. Yeah. Two and one. All
0: right. Clippers are an absolute wagon right now. Jack.
2: Yep. I have two and one as well with the loss uh, against the Clippers. Um, I mean, they've been, they've been incredible. They're nine and one since the Wolves beat them in Minneapolis, despite not having their starting center. Uh, I mean, PG Harden Powell all playing a plus roles behind Kawhi, who's just been a a superhuman the last 10 games. Um, and they've been they've argued they've arguably been the best team in the league since the the turn of the new year. So, two and one for me,
1: Mm -hmm. Ben. I'll go two and one as well. I think they'll split the Milwaukee Clippers game. Uh, they'll, lose, they'll If they lose against Milwaukee, I think they'll pull it together. They'll beat the Clippers, although that is the front end of a back-to-back headed to Portland. So um, I think they go two and one. Oh, and some quick uh, quick breaking news. They just announced the Skills Challenge for All-Star Weekend, and Shum Shura, or at least Shum Sharania did. And Ant will be in the Skills Competition with Paolo Bancaro and Victor Wimbanyama. So we have a, a topic for next week's show to discuss.
0: Nice. It's not the dunk contest. It's not the three-point contest. It's the third sexiest one, but that, that'll still be fun. We'll take yeah, it. It still counts. Count yeah, what it carry ones, it. too, so, you know. It's it's something. Um, That's the show for this week. Wolves talk every Wednesday in the Minnesota Basketball Party. Watch us on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Listen to us on the Lockdown Wolves audio feed. And check out Ron Johnson. He's on the Ron Johnson Show on Tuesdays. And a bunch of our programming here on the network. Reggie Wilson, Care Eleven. Jack Borman, Canis Hoopis and Ben Beacon on Locked on Wolves. Thanks a lot. Talk to you next week.